You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Our producer, Shane Reardon, coordinating producer is Tracy Torrell. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. Time now for the staple of our show. It's our Ask the Doctor segment. Very simple. Gives you a chance and an opportunity to ask Dr. Cole a question. Just go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. You can click on the link underneath our picture and ask the doc a question. Got some great questions for you, Doc. You ready? I'm all in. I'm all, all right. in, dude. We're going to start with it. this. Uh, the topic of opioid epidemic, Dr. Cole, is getting a lot of attention lately. What are some of the ways the orthopedic community is addressing this issue? Yeah, we are um, sort of uh, on the top of the curve now because, you know, unfortunately, the majority of opioid use starts from prescriptions that get sort of diverted to someone else. I mean, there's some fascinating facts about the opioid epidemic in the United States. The United States consumes about 80% of the world's prescribed opioids, right? That's with less than 5% of the population, 80% of it. Really? But, you know, the price we pay, there's been a threefold increase in overdoses in the last 25 years. Mm. And there were 38,000 in 2010, just to give you a, a, a sense of how, how problematic it was. And it's only gotten worse. So the other issue is that most of the people who are in the emergency room with an opioid crisis um, have received these medications from someone else who got a prescription for it. So. That means as a prescriber, I have to be very cognizant of the fact that sometimes these end up in other people's hands. Yeah. So the way we deal with it is we have, you know, we have been very conscientious about the, we don't, I, we hardly ever give opioids for non-surgical problems. That's the first thing, right? It might be required for fractures and things like that that don't require surgery, but the vast majority of the opioids that orthopedic surgeons prescribe, I would imagine relate to post-operative use because of surgical intervention. So the key is to provide... Uh, clues on multimodalities. In other words, the many things that can be done to reduce uh, the need for it. So the you know one of the biggest things is this concept of, of self-efficacy. That means you sort of help people understand that, look, I know this hurts, uh, but it's going to get better. And there's nothing I can give you that's going to get rid of your pain. I mean, think about when you had your pain post-surgically. I don't remember how it was for you. Did you did you have to take a couple of Norcos, which is a low level narcotic? I did, maybe the first day, but I really tried to stay away from but, it. But it made a difference when you took it. Is that yes, certainly right? So what you just instruct people and say, look, being in pain is okay. It's going to get better, um, and in the goal is not necessarily to get rid of it, but to make it tolerable. Yeah. So you can do things like take Tylenol instead of a narcotic, extracting Tylenol. You can take ibuprofen or Motrin, which are the same things. It's not just the over-the-counter dose, but as long as you can tolerate the stomach and so forth, you can take up to 800 milligrams, say, three times a day. We prescribe that post-operatively. Ice is an amazing pain reliever, 20 minutes of ice periodically throughout the day. Um, uh, Those are some of the main things you can do. And then if you have to layer on top of it the occasional post-operative need for narcotics, that's okay, but you do it in a very graduated fashion. The other thing I tell my patients is that I have them set an alarm every four to six hours at night at the first night of surgery so that they can wake up and take a lower dose of their medicine because what happens is if you sleep through the previous dose, it is very difficult to get back on top of it. You know, yeah. So you're on a cycle because the half-life is a specific length of time and the efficacy is a specific length of time. 
So we look at multimodalities, which is everything from the psychology of dealing with pain, helping people understand that it's normal. Of course, surgery hurts and injury hurts, that we want to minimize it but not necessarily get rid of it. We want to use things that are non-addictive, and like, um, like Tylenol, like ibuprofen, ice, elevation, compression, and just relative, relative rest. And those things can make a big difference uh, with a good talking to. All right, continuing on with our Ask the Doctor segment here with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. Question number two, and uh, I hear this a lot, Doc, and I also wonder it. It's just kind of one of these, you know, counterintuitive things. Should I stretch before or after working out or both? Does this answer vary per activity? For example, running versus lifting weights, it's kind of the chicken and the egg, right? I mean... I will tell you that it seems like most trainers go towards dynamic stretching and sports-specific stretching, sort of a functional activity. To get warm first, To get warm, not static ballistic stretching. That has definitely uh, fallen out of favor. What I do see often is that a dynamic stretch before activities and then some static stretching after activities, okay, for recovery, for recovery, okay? So that's a very common Give us examples, paradigm. though. So one might be, uh, like, let's just say you're warming up to work out or do something cardio. Uh, the obvious areas that will have the most potential trouble will be, you know, below the waist, right. legs, right? So doing, um, there's, I, I, you know, you can't show you, that's one, one of the limitations of radio, but um, inchworms, you know, do you know what an inchworm is where you're, you're standing and you bend over at your waist, put okay. your hands on the floor, walk forward, stretch your calves, walk your feet back up to your hands and stand up and do that repeatedly going forward. Okay. Walking and bringing your heel to your butt while you're walking down, down say, a, a, a narrow strip. Uh, Low-level running, you know, lower speeds, uh, acceleration, deceleration, changing directions. Uh, hurdler stretches um, uh, while moving across a linear surface. So something dynamic and stretching at the same time. Also using TheraBands and stretch bands to help stretch hamstrings and things of that nature where you're moving and stretching at the same time as opposed to just sitting there and just stretching a muscle, which I will say even you know the trainers that I've worked out with now, most of them don't do it anymore with when you're being guided through a program. After a workout, it may make more sense along with foam rolling and things like that to help uh, uh, for recovery of and, and to prevent delayed uh, onset muscle soreness. All right, we're out of time. Great stuff. Good show. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Okay, Doc? You got it. All right. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, as always, Tracy Torrell. Also want to thank David Cole for managing our website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on The Score. Up next on The Score, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Talk with you again next week for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel, only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station.